in the summer of 1991, in July to, to be exact, my conversion began to unfold. I had already kind of been prepared for it by the Lord in the months before that, during my junior year of college, when I began to experience a restlessness in my heart that had me starting to question a lot of the stuff in life that I just kind of assumed was the way to go. I found myself restless and, and thinking there's got to be more to life than just what, what I have right now. I found myself getting tired of the typical kind of college dating scene. And I even found myself wondering, what, what can I possibly do with my life that won't after a while get boring or monotonous? Where, where can I find real purpose, real joy in life? And that restlessness had started to get stirred up in my heart throughout the previous year. But in that summer, with all of those things going on that were kind of like just really dry kindling in my heart, the Lord used a priest at the parish where I had grown up. He used a priest to kind of set a match to all of that stuff in my heart, to just burn it up, get it out of the way, and prepare me for what he had, the better thing that he had in mind, in store, in plan for me. And the way that that happened was going to a Saturday evening vigil mass one night just to get it out of the way. I grew up Catholic, but at this point in my life, by, by the time I was in between my junior and my senior year of college, it was all very mechanical. I was just doing it out of obligations, what you're supposed to do. The, the ritual, the actions were there, but the heart was not connected at all. And on this one particular vigil mass, when it came time for communion, I, I got out of the pew, I got into the line for communion, just like you always do, not even aware of what I was about to do. At some point, I had gotten forgetful of the truth that, that we really receive the very body and the blood of Jesus in Holy Communion. I, I had just drifted so far from that 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 wasn't even in my head. I know I was taught it, but it wasn't present. And as I came up for communion, I was in the line where the priest was distributing communion. And before he gave me the host, he looked at me and he said to me, I want to talk to you after Mass. And from that came an invitation to get involved with work he was doing with youth ministry and, and for all kinds of different reasons, but especially, as I mentioned, the stuff that the Lord had already been doing in my heart. When he invited me to get involved, even though I wasn't active in my faith at all, it was like a door opened up and I, I kind of figured, well, what do I have left you know, what, there's no harm in trying. What, there's, I've got nothing to lose here. Might as well just see what happens. And even though I got involved for my own selfish reasons to try to maybe find something that, that would bring me more purpose or, or joy in life than I'd had, over the coming months, this was the event that had begun just to change everything. And the experience that I had from July up through August, or rather through October, over those first few months, the experience, the way that it felt for me, 
was as if a line had been drawn right down my life. By the time I got into October, things had changed so much because of what the Lord was doing in my life that I looked back just over those few months prior and it really seemed like just an utterly, entirely different life. And I, I know obviously there, there was continuity. I, I, it was still me. It was still Eric. I, I still had much of, of my life the same. But there were so many things that were changing in the depths of my heart that it, it really felt as though it was that a line had been drawn, an old life had ended, and a new life was beginning. And that sounds dramatic, but from my perspective at that time, and even as I look back on it, that was the experience that, that I had. Now, that movement from an old life into a new life, I had no idea at that time that, that what I was experiencing was exactly what the scriptures tell us is supposed to be just the norm for our life. I didn't know that. Later, as I would begin to get more familiar with scripture, later I, I would learn that in the New Testament, this whole idea of, of coming to a, a new life, a new birth in Christ, that this is so much the norm that you find all of the writers in the New Testament referring to it in one way or another, usually in, in their own language. So we hear, for example, St. John, the evangelist, he talks about one being born again in the Spirit. He also talks about, as we had in the Gospel today, of this encounter with Christ that leads us to have life in his name. St. Paul loves to use a whole bunch of different phrases. He talks about the old creation giving way to the new creation, the old creature dying, the new creature coming to birth, the old man passing away, the new man coming to life, old life, new life. And then in the second reading today, St. Peter, he says that from this, this saving encounter that we have with Christ, we have been born anew. And so he's describing it as this new birth that we're given. Now, I, I had no idea that that was the norm. Growing up, I didn't know that, that you could expect and should expect that your life would be different because of what the Lord does, wants to do in you. And when my conversion started to unfold, I know for my family, I know it was a shock. Like I know for my brothers, for my parents, initially, it looked like, wow, Eric, you, you're really taking this probably a little too far. Like you do not have to go to this kind of extreme. Like just tone it down and rein it in. Like let's not go crazy with this whole thing. But what I came to, to know was, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not the crazy one here. This change from an old life to a new life, this is exactly what the Lord wants for us. It's, it's what is supposed to happen. And throughout the New Testament, the early church knew, yep, this is the way it goes. And 
I, I know right now, this very morning, I, I am certain that there are some of you that have been pulled into the living room or in front of the laptop by your mom or your dad or maybe by a spouse who's told you, look, it's Sunday, we need to pray, we need to worship. And, and maybe you're thinking like, oh, here we go again. I wish they would just tone it down. Like you don't need to be weird about this whole thing. Like Jesus can have a little tiny spot in your life, but come on, let's not go crazy with it. And if, if you're watching this right now and you're thinking that of the spouse or the parent or whoever in your family that's pulled you in front of the TV to pray, just with all kindness and love, they're not the crazy one. It, it's, well, it's you, sorry. But the norm is meant to be this radically new life that God gives us. That's the norm. That's what he wants for us. He really does. We have tried to make it not the norm because sometimes out of the fear of, of, of how our life may change, out of fear of letting go of sin, out of just a lack of desire of not wanting to let go of certain sins, or just wanting to, to maintain control in our life, we often say, well, the ones who, who say there's an old life and now a new life, they're the crazy ones. It doesn't have to look like that. We usually deliberately try to tone it down because we don't want to change. But the Lord wants to give us this new life. And it's exactly what we hear St. Peter tell us as he's just proclaiming this with great joy. He's blessing God the Father, who in his son Jesus, through this great gift of mercy, has given us a new birth. And this is so attractive that Peter opens it up here for us. What makes this new life attractive? Well, Peter mentions there's like two big parts to it. On the one hand, Peter says, there's something right here and now that the Lord wants to give you as part of this new birth, this new life. But it's not only for here and now, it's also gonna get better for eternity. So the here and now that, that Peter opens up, he says this, and this is just so, so beautiful. He says, because of this encounter that you've had with Jesus, he says, here's the result of it. Although you haven't seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And now, this relationship that you have with Jesus is so real that you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. Peter is saying that even though you don't see him, you are able to have a real relationship with him that leads you to be able to love him and believe in him and rejoice in him with an indescribable and glorious joy. I love this line because it connects so really beautifully and, and just in an awesome way with the gospel today. Peter knew that Thomas was like, look, if I don't see him with my own eyes, I'm just not going to believe. Peter heard Jesus say in the upper room, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And now Peter is saying to us, that's you. That's what the Lord wants for you. Even though you don't see him now, you love him and you believe in him and you rejoice in him with a glorious and indescribable joy. This is what is supposed to happen when we begin to fall in love with the Lord who first loved us. And this is the thing that, that led me, as my conversion was unfolding, 
to want it. Like, nobody said to me, like, out of obligation, you have to do this. As my conversion unfolded, there were young adults that I was getting to know, and, and friendships were starting to form, and they had this relationship with Jesus that was real, and I just didn't know that you could have that. I didn't know that he wanted to, to be involved in my life. I didn't know that he cared about me that much. And they had a joy that I just had not seen in, in, in the typical Catholic before that. They had a joy and a love. And I just said in my heart, I, I want what you have. This is way better than the restlessness that I've been, been experiencing over this last year. I want what you have. And that for me was, was the most powerful thing, was seeing this lived out in other people. And it was the, the witness of their own changed life that led me to say, Lord, this is scary, but you know what? I, I want what they have, and I want you to change my life as well. The gift of the here and now in terms of the relationship with the Lord, that's not all of it. In our second reading today, Peter says also that part of the gift of this new birth that we've been given is it's a new birth to a living hope, that there's something greater in store for us in heaven. He says it's the hope of an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. So Peter's been given this vision of what is to come, and he says the inheritance that's opened up for you as you share in this new life in Christ, it's imperishable. It just won't ever end. It's undying. And it's undefiled. It's not good stuff mixed with some of the bad stuff of sin. Like, you know, the stuff of sin, it, it leaves us feeling shameful, it leaves us unsatisfied. It leaves us with the guilt that, that sin brings. But the joy of heaven is it's undefiled. It's only the good stuff. It's like pure oxygen for the heart. All the good stuff, nothing bad mixed in that would lead to shame or disappointment or anything like that. And he says it's unfading. The, the, the glory of it will never diminish or dim or fade. I washed my car the other day um, by hand. I had not done that in decades, but I guess it's like what you do when you're under the stay-at-home order. I washed my car the other day, and I looked at it and like, wow, I forgot how much the paint can actually shine. The next day, it was covered in pollen. Did, couldn't even tell it was washed. Earthly things fade, and the glory, the beauty of earthly things diminishes Peter says, of the things of heaven, they will not fade. They won't go away. So listen, these two things, the beauty of the relationship that we're given with the Lord now and what is to come, this is what the Lord says. This is what I want for you. This is the norm that I have in, in mind for you. And what's really beautiful is that as we hear this and we say in our hearts, Lord, I want this. I, I want to be done with all of the striving after earthly things that I thought would bring me happiness but haven't. I, I want to be done with that. As we begin to, to experience a longing for it, in that same second reading today, Peter reminds us, here's the good news. As you long for it, you don't have to be the one who makes it happen. 
He says, first of all, this is a gift out of God's great mercy. He offers it to you. You don't have to prove yourselves to get it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. This is a gift out of his great mercy. And what's the power that makes it happen? He says, here's how it comes to be. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Like, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is the nuclear reaction that causes this whole new thing to begin in our life. It's not by human strength that it comes to be. And that's the really good news. I know this sounds so simple, but it really is meant to be as easy as saying from our hearts as children of the Father, Father, please give us this gift in your great mercy through the power of your son's resurrection, give me the gift of new life in you. That really is the way it's supposed to work. So let's pray for that right now. Let's, let's act on this word and on this divine mercy Sunday, believing that nobody is beyond the merciful reach of God's hand, believing that it's never too late to come home, believing that there's no sin that can get in the way, there's no sin greater than God's love for us, let's ask him and pray for that gift. Father, we, we pray that in your great mercy today, through the resurrection of your son from the dead, you would give to us the gift of new life. Cause us to be born to a new life in your son. And even though we do not see him, let us love him. Even though we don't see him now, let us come to believe in him. And let that love and that faith lead us to experience in your son Jesus an indescribable and glorious joy. And fix in our hearts, Father, a longing for the good and the greater things that are to come, the inheritance that you have planned for us in heaven that is undefiled, that is unfading, that is imperishable. Let us know that that inheritance has been fixed for us in the blood of your Son. Lord, let us not be afraid to yield our lives to you and to pray for that gift of new life. And help us not to regard a spouse or a family member or a friend who's already said yes to that new life. Help us to not think that they're the crazy ones. Help us to know, Lord, that we're the crazy ones if we don't welcome this offer that you give us of coming to new life, new birth, in your son Jesus, whom you have raised from the dead.